Well, good morning, everybody. So uh, you may remember a few weeks ago, we started a series in Acts, and we're going to continue with that. The kind of overall theme of that is uh, partnering with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as a part of that today, I'm going to look at how we glorify the Son. As we receive and walk with the Holy Spirit, how we glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, as I said a few weeks ago, we looked at how the disciples were told to kind of wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And uh, they may have wanted to go back to how it was when they were with Jesus, walking on the earth, and Jesus was with them in his physical body. Or they may have um, just been fearful to staying in Jerusalem because of the hostility that was rising up against uh, Jesus and his followers. Or... Alternatively, they may have just wanted to get on with the task at hand, to go and reach all the nations and just busy themselves quickly with activity. Well, and then Keith, a couple of weeks ago, talked about how they went up to an upper room and they prayed together. And uh, to look at these guys, you kind of could think, well, actually, they don't look like world changers. But uh, something powerful happened on the day of Pentecost And that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 today. Um, So from that day, when they were up in the sort of upper room, I don't really know how many were there, either 12 to up to 120, something changed. They began to partner with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it gave them authority to preach the Word of God boldly. They saw healings. They saw wonderful things. If you remember... How Peter, not that long before, he was just denying Christ. He was just embarrassed. He, you know, little girls were asking him, no, I don't know Jesus. And then later we read in Acts how he's boldly declaring the Lord Jesus Christ is risen and he's their saviour. So um, something switched in him. And it's my conviction that the model that we see in Acts is the same model that we need to follow for reaching the nations and to be emboldened in our Christian walk. So um, you may feel a little bit weak. I've got good news for you this morning. You may feel a little bit unschooled, a little bit uneducated. I've got good news for you this morning. You're in good company here. You may feel like you just lack authority and power. Again, I've got good news for you this morning. We're going to discover together the key for transformation like the disciples knew on that day of Pentecost. Having a job to hear me. I can ask Dan if we can turn you up. I could have asked, of course, invite you to come on the front row. But uh, I won't do that. How's that? Can you hear me now? Better? Good? Good. Gillian's got a thumbs up. That's good. I'll continue. If you can just get rid of any of the boom down there, that would be good. But, uh, okay. I won't say it all again. But basically, we're going to have a good time this morning. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to transform lives, okay? Because that's, I believe, the key to our kind of... Uh... Oh, hold on. Oh, let's uh... then do whatever he's doing. So just as an introduction, it's important to understand. Is that one not even plugged in? Ah. 
it's important to understand that when we talk of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, actually that's a little bit misleading because the Holy Spirit has been around for a long time. And as Adrian um, helpfully shared with us last week about the Trinity and how the three in persons, three persons in one uh, in the Trinity. And uh, I think he spoke about how at the beginning in Genesis, it talks of, uh, it says, let us make man in our image, talking of the plurality of the, of the Godhead. And then later, I love the bit where he's talking of the, it's actually in the second verse of the Bible, it talks about the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. And then, in a moment, God says, let there be light. So you can see again that the, 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 the three persons of the Godhead working together to bring life. Yeah? And so when we talk in Pentecost about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he was still, he was around at the beginning of time. He's outside of time and space. He's eternity, past and future, the Holy Spirit. He didn't just come on that one day in Pentecost. He's always been with us. Having said that, there is some differences, which I'll go into later. It's also important to realize that on the day of Pentecost, it doesn't mark the moment in history when he just started revealing truth and started guiding and empowering people. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 16, it says, the writer refers to how the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas. And then we can, talk, we can look at other stories in the Bible about Samson, about how the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And in Moses, the Spirit came on him, and then he came on 70, and then they were enabled to prophesy together. So Jesus' Jesus' followers would have been familiar with all these stories of their history. And so there would have been an expectation when they were talking about the Spirit's coming. And they would have thought back, oh, this is what happened when the Spirit came before. And I think there would have been a huge expectation. The Spirit's coming to us. The promise of the Holy Spirit is coming to us. Now, I guess when the, the, historically the Holy Spirit came in a particular place, on a particular time, and on a particular person or people for a particular reason. But things changed, and he was released to all people. So I guess in this room there's lots of different people's experience of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'll be speaking to a varied crowd and a varied understanding and perception of the Holy Spirit but, uh, and therefore, when I encourage you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, your, re- your response may be one of total fear. It may be one of, no, that's not for me, based on what you've experienced previously. I'm hoping this morning that I can encourage you that the Holy Spirit is so good and so necessary to your walk as a Christian. And he starts working in us long before we were Christians, actually. He's continually trying to point us to the Lord Jesus. And uh, So, I mean, don't worry if at this stage you're still a bit bewildered by what the work of the Holy Spirit does. If you're a bit confused, or even if you're a little bit cynical and you want to laugh at us, that's okay. Because that's exactly how the people responded at the day of Pentecost. 
They were confused, they were bewildered, and lots of them laughed at off as a joke. And that's okay, I don't mind. But please do ask questions and discover more about the work and purpose of the Holy Spirit this morning. So hopefully I can reassure you that you can trust him and to let him in completely, to be filled every day and that he will empower you to fill what he's called you to do. Okay, should we look at the passage today? So we're going to look at Acts 2, verses 1. I believe 11. Excellent. Okay, let's read this together. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, struggling, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. So, I'm just going to have a... So the first thing we're going to look at is who was filled with the Holy Spirit on this day. So in verse 1 it says they were all together in one place. In verse 2 it says... Wind filled the whole house. Verse 3, it says, tongues of fire came on each of them. And then verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's fairly emphatically clear that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit on that day. And this was also foretold by the prophet, wasn't it? The prophet Joel, where it says, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So this would have been their expectation. They would have had this in the back of their head, that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. So is this your expectation? Who's got a bit of flesh here? Feel yourself? Anything on got a bit of flesh? He's going to pour out your spirit, his spirit on all flesh. So previously, Jesus, when he was in his earthly, manly form, he could only spend time with a few of his followers, couldn't he? And crowds started to gather to him, and they were getting bigger and bigger crowds. But the problem was he couldn't get round to everyone. And do you remember the time when, he was, when the crowd started pressing in and he wanted to speak to them all? Well, the only way he could actually teach them all was by getting in a boat and going out to the sea so he could actually speak to the whole crowd. And that's kind of what's happened when Jesus has gone to heaven. He's not gone out further in the boat. He's had to be ascended to heaven. For what reason? That he might send his Holy Spirit 
that we might all know him personally through the Spirit of God. It says in uh, John, there's a slide for this, John 16, verse 7, For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So the helper refers to, sometimes says the counsellor, refers to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus needed to go in order that he could be amongst us and meet with many more people, because that's his desire, to meet with many more people. It's really important that we grasp this fact, that he wants to be with us individually, and that we're never alone, and that he's inviting us into this community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some people can even regress into kind of the Old Testament way, where they waited upon the priest to hear something from God and then communicate it to the people. We don't have to go to that. To that, we can hear truth come from the Holy Spirit to us individually. You don't even need to rely on me or any of the other leaders. You can have an ear and the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. Because actually he's going to be, like I said before, he's going to be the best discipler, the best comforter, the best leader of your spirit, of your soul. He's going to be the one who empowers you. So let's not look anywhere else other than the one who he sent to us. And if you remember, when you first became a Christian, he was the one that convicted you of your sin. The Holy Spirit did that. It says in um, John 16, verse 8, just this. And later it says in verse 13, I think we might have this, it says uh, that he, uh, lead, he will lead and guide you in all truth. So let's lean and rely on him. Don't let your spiritual ear become dull. Now you're a Christian. It was open to the conviction of, the, of your sin through the Spirit. Allow him to speak to you again. It says, actually, in verse 12, he has many things to say to us. I still have many things to say to you. And then it says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. I believe the Lord Jesus has many things to say to each one of us. And his way of speaking to us is through the Holy Spirit. Um, last year, Adrian uh, bought a tent, a blow-up tent. Get him. So basically, as I understand it, you, um, I think there's an image, actually, of a tent. It's probably not yours. It, the idea is that you get all the pipes, all the tubes, sorry, um, are not metal, but you pump air into them and it blows up. And it goes up quite quickly. Um, but the interesting thing, that it goes up in about five minutes, he said. But actually um, putting all the bits and the camping paraphernalia inside the tent takes a little bit longer. Um, you know, the cooker, the bedding and all that. And uh, I was thinking about this, and actually I think we can learn something from this. Because... When you're born again, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and does that. He, and it, I was going to act this out, but I don't know if I will. Okay. But if you can imagine, the wind of the Spirit will come. And 
and blow you up. And you suddenly, instantly, a tent is built, a house is built. For what purpose? To hold the presence of God. And it can happen very quickly. But the interesting thing is, in order that we host the presence of God, we need to make it comfortable. We need to make it homely. We need to make it welcoming for the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit does have an important role to play in the birthing of new Christians. But actually, we have an ongoing responsibility to host him well and to keep being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, for example, if I, uh, I don't know, got, I've been married to Jen now, so for 20 odd years, but say on our wedding day, um, we had, the marriage certificate was signed, and uh, the guy at the front says, okay, you may kiss the bride. And I just uh, shook Jen's hand and said, very good, excellent, we're married now. I'll see you around, okay? It would be really weird. And I think sometimes that can happen when people become Christians. You are saved and you're in the kingdom. And that's wonderful news. But we need to continue to work. It's, we need to remember it's a relationship. Now, I would still remain married to Jen with a certificate. That's fine. And you're saved. That's great. But we need to work on our relationships with the living God. We need to continually host him and build a deep, intimate relationship with him each day. Okay? So what happens when the Holy Spirit fills you? There's several things, and we're going to look over lots of different things over the next few weeks as we look into Acts. I've tried to be restrained and just look at one thing today. I mean, some of the things that he does, we've mentioned, he convicts us of our sin, he guides us in truth, he empowers us to be witnesses. But one of the things I want to draw out today, he glorifies the Father and Son through us. And that's what I want to draw on today. So I want to focus on this. So as we looked in John 16, verse 14, it says, Jesus says, he will glorify me, talking of the Holy Spirit. So let's look back at our passage in Acts. How do these early followers glorify Jesus and the Father? So in verse 11, it says, the people listening in, it says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God. Declaring the wonders of God. So this is one of the first things that happened. So after the wind came, maybe shook the building, tongues of fire separated and landed on different individuals, the first thing that they did was they spoke in different languages, declaring the wonders of God. And I believe that's the same for us today. This is what one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is, that he would, through us, Declare the wonders of God. That's why we have our stories each week, declaring the wonders of God. That's why we, want, we sing praise each, each morning. We come together on a Sunday. We lift the name of Jesus on high because the Spirit in us 
wants to worship him and lift his name up on high. So these particular guys, these Galileans, they were speaking in foreign languages. Not their home tongue. They were speaking languages from different nations on that day and people gathered to them. It's actually important to notice here that they were speaking in intelligible languages yeah, from different nations. Now we'll cover the other kind of tongues on another date. But in this instance, they were speaking intelligible words which other people could understand. So they weren't confused by them babbling unintelligible words, which we'd also believe in, but we'll cover that another time because it talks about um, no one understands them, they utter mysteries by the Spirit. And that is a different kind of language, which I believe, in brief, is a language God gives us to communicate directly with him to glorify him again, but also it does something to build us up and encourage us up. It speaks about edifying us. But we'll cover that on another day because I think we might even spend a whole morning on that because it's uh, a good subject. To uh, For me, it's a wonderful tool and a gift, uh, a grace gift from God that can bless each one of you and you keep going in it. Um, so pick it up again and go for it again. But we'll cover that on another time. So this was intelligible words given to these men But it wasn't their own languages. They were speaking other languages. So what happened when they heard these? When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. When they heard in their own mother tongue, Jesus being glorified, a crowd gathered. And I just found it interesting this morning. As we started worshipping, we had people just coming in this morning. I don't know if you noticed. We had people just coming in. Now, admittedly, they may have been coming for a coffee. I like to think that they came because we were declaring the glory of God. We had a couple of Romanians over at the back, keep from people from different nations coming to us this morning as we glorify the name of God. Amen. So, I also I just think sometimes we can get really caught up in trying to do extra special evangelistic events so get the celebrity speaker in have a bigger mail shot you know do really clever marketing they didn't have any of this here did they they just worshiped god and glorified his name so i've got a something that i've brought down from upstairs i thought I'd just i like to do things visual i don't know if you've noticed that it, it helps me, so I hope it helps you. Can I have a few of the strongest men in the house, please? Oh, you sit down. Come on, Adrian. Uh, come on, Keith. We'll keep it to leaders in case there's any injuries. <laughs> mm. So we've got this sign upstairs. I thought I'd bring it down. And these two guys are just going to lift it above their heads and do ten reps. No, they're not. So don't drop it. Okay. <laughs> Hold it two hands, Keith. I don't trust you. Seriously. (laughs) Two hands. Stop showing off. Okay. This is what we do when we come here every Sunday morning, isn't it? We lift Jesus Christ up and we declare that he is Lord. And um, you can hold it for a little bit longer. (laughs) The spirit in us will call out and glorify his son and lift him up on this earth. And people will gather. 
Now, why am I laboring this point? For me personally, it's much easier to talk about the church. It's much easier to talk about the coffee shop, about little lights, about the stuff that we do. And I just want to put out the challenge to you. We need to speak the name of Jesus to people. He's the one who's going to transform people's lives. And I just want to challenge you to try and bring in the name of Jesus into every conversation. And the Holy Spirit will help us with that. And we don't want to be awkward about that, but it's him who's going to change things. How are you doing, boys? Yeah, we're doing all right. Keep going. <laughs> I love the fact that this is actually upstairs and it's on the windowsill um, during Little Lights and it's above all the children playing down on the floor. And I think, that's great. They need to know this. I don't know if they can read it, but the mums can. You can put it down now. Let's put it down. Yeah, let's put it down. Thank you. We live in a quite a sort of a consumerist age, don't we? And um, that can creep into church a little bit. And people can come to church to see what they can get out of church. And um, we want it always to be God-centred, don't we? We never want our churches to be me-centred. We don't want our worship or our times to be self-indulgent and just be focused on us. And just a way to combat that is just by always lifting Jesus up high and making him the one that we worship. Also, just when, if I, for example, if I wanted to introduce my wife to someone, it would just be really odd if I took her, or maybe talked about our home and our house and just, you know, yeah, we've got a lovely bedroom detached house and it's over there. Or then I started talking about where she worked, or, you know, yeah, she works in Laydham School, she's a teacher, and she's a very good teacher. It's just a bit confusing, isn't it? Or even if I started talking about her friends. If you wanted to meet Jen, you'd want to meet Jen, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to, me to talk about all the other things that she does, and where she works, and where she lives. And it's the same with Jesus. We can talk about and around him, where he is, what he does. I want to encourage you to introduce people to the Lord Jesus. Tell him how you love him. Tell him what he's done for you in your life. Make it really personal. Tell your story. And if you can, invite the presence of the Holy Spirit and pray with them and say, I can actually bring you to the Lord Jesus through prayer. Why don't we pray together and ask his presence and his Holy Spirit to come and reveal himself to you. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so just a question really. Why do you think that uh, on this first day of the Holy Spirit being released to all people, why were there about 15 different languages I counted up being spoken in verse 9 that we can read of. I think it was firstly to encourage the disciples 
he'd given them this um, commission to go and reach all nations. And I just think it, he was encouraging them, saying, language isn't a barrier with me to reach all these nations. You may look to yourself and think, how are we going to do this? And he just used them uh, through the Holy Spirit to speak to 15 different nations. Actually, I've got a map here which uh, shows, here we go. So the, the, some of the uh, nations in, in uh, bold, they, show, they represent some of the nations that uh, were that the disciples spoke out in. And uh, it was really interesting that at that particular time on uh, the day of Pentecost, it was a significant time because there would have been lots of people gathering to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival. So there have been lots of Jewish pilgrims travelling from all of these different places and congregating in Jerusalem to celebrate. And this is how the early church started. So the nations came to them, they heard the wonders of God, and they were affected. And then what happened? They would then scatter and be spread out across the nations, and that's how the early church started to spread. And I think it's the same now. We're probably represented here by a few nations. And uh, in fact, what different nations have we got here amongst us this morning? Raise your hand if you're from a different nation other than the United Kingdom. Hey, we've got one. We've got one tentative one. I think we've got someone from Ghana over there as well. So we've got at least three. Yeah? So Uganda, Kenya, Uganda, and uh, Ghana. Anywhere else? Can't see anywhere else. That's wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful. Actually, Felix, can you come up here? Can you just come up here? Are you okay to carry your little boy? I would like... Can you speak any of your uh, mother tongue, Felix? Yeah? Who'd like to hear Felix say in his mother tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord of the nation of Kenya? Can you say that? Jesus Christ is Lord of the nation of Kenya. In your own tongue. I'll speak in Swahili. Okay, good. Yesu Christo ni bwana kwa taifa la Kenya. Eh, again. Yesu Christo ni bwana kwa taifa la Kenya. Excellent. Does anyone else want to come up from there? Would you like to do it in Ghanaian? Come on. Is that all right? So Jesus Christ is Lord, the nation of Ghana. Hallelujah. Yesu Christo Jimanche. Yesu Christo Jimanche. Amen. Amen. Thank you for putting. I don't know. Thank you for putting you up, and I'll put you on the spot there. But I really appreciate that. I think it's great that we've got different nations represented amongst us. I didn't want to leave you out. Did you want to go as well, uh, Maureen? <laughs> Would you like to? Come on. I don't want to lift you out. Come on. Who'd like to hear Maureen do it in, a, in Uganda? 
Because this would have been happened on the first day of Pentecost. People have heard in different tongues. Here you go. Yesu Christo Ntata wa Uganda. One more time. Louder. Yesu Christo Ntata wa Uganda. Amen. 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 Thank you, Maureen. And, you know, it was interesting that Magnus was sharing that Maz came last week, a Muslim, and he wants to turn to hopefully follow Jesus. And I love the fact. So why it's really significant that we get different nations amongst us, that we're blessed, but also that we gather the people and then we scatter people and reach the nations together. Okay. So I just want to ask you guys, how, how do you think God wants to communicate through the Holy Spirit to communicate the ones of God to different people that you come into contact with? Um, they may be from different nations. They may be just from different people to you, different people groups, different demographic. I was just considering this. And I was thinking about just Chertsey. Actually, I did put some... Uh, numbers and figures there's a one other slide of different just the different people that uh, are in Chertsey that we could might be able to reach different ethnic groups this is a little bit old it's from 2011 census and um, I was just considering how we need to think about how we communicate the gospel to people and I was just thinking about how, actually, in the United Kingdom, do you know what the biggest selling <coughs> newspaper was last year? I heard someone say The Sun. 1.57 million copies of The Sun were circulated. That's how people are being spoken to, and that's how people listen. And, uh, and that compared, just so you've got a bit of a something to measure it against, that compared to 478,000 of the Daily Telegraph. And now this is a challenge to me because I think sometimes if I'm preaching, it's more to Daily Telegraph people than maybe some readers in the illustrations, in the way we do it. And I just think, actually, we need to adjust how we speak to people. Um, and we need to communicate where they're at. Because that's what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. He communicated where they were at. He spoke through the disciples and the followers in their own language. How can we speak to people in their own language? It's just a challenge to me. I hope it's a challenge to you. Um, and just as we look in Acts... Um, Acts 11, 19, 21, it says later about how it happened. So there is a slide, actually, Acts 19. Yeah, sick, perfect. So it says, um, we see how the men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch with the good news. So these guys probably heard the wonders of God on the day of Pentecost, affected, and then later in Acts we hear how they went back out to Antioch. You could think on the map, so that's sort of somewhere sort of west of... East of Turkey, around there, back to Antioch, and started spreading the gospel through there. So, 
as an aside, let's not be too worried if uh, in communicating gospel, if people are a little bit confused and perplexed and don't quite understand. This is what happened here. They heard them declaring the wonders of God, but they didn't understand why. And they still needed more explanation. And that's okay. I'm actually happy that if people come here on a Sunday morning and go away with a few questions, um, I'd much prefer uh, you know, to be on the door. I don't want to be on the door and visitors to come and say, lovely service. I'd love them to go um, with a bit of a, a furrowed brow. I would like them to kind of think, what, what have I just encountered? There's something very different amongst these people. There's something unique. I can't understand it, but I want to know more. Wouldn't you want people to leave here questioning what they've experienced amongst us as a people of God? I want to, that my desire is that, that people are drawn into the mystery and wonder of God and his desire to have a relationship with man. That's what I want people to be drawn into. There is something unexplainable about the Lord Jesus, about the Godhead. There's that song in uh, that line in that hymn, isn't there? Ineffably sublime. No one even knows what that means, but I think it's sort of trying to touch on this point, you know, that we don't quite understand. And that's okay, I'm happy with that. He's God, I'm, I'm his creation. And uh, so let's not be worried if people go away a little bit confused from us. Now, we will enjoy particular times together of the presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us. And we will, as leaders, say, okay, let's go after it this morning. Let's be open. Let's be filled. Let's be thirsty. And that's great. And we will continue to do that. But for me, my desire is that you would have this daily experience of drinking deeply of walking in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit every day. Individuals, it's for all. I don't want you just to have one-off experiences which you can recall. I want you to walk with him daily. Why? Because the Holy Spirit isn't an experience. It's not an experience. It's a person. And it's so important that we keep reminding ourselves this. And I'm going to keep reminding myself this. And I'm going to keep preaching this. Because I think it's key to us being free in our walk as Christians, as we're empowered, as we hear the truth that he wants to reveal to us. He wants to say many things to us. As we get boldness to preach. Because that's what we want to do, don't we? And we, we sometimes feel like Peter... We're just timid, actually. I'm just going to hide. I'm just going to deny Christ on this one. No. He wants to empower us with the Holy Spirit that we might speak. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I'm going to hold him up. Please come. So, what is your response as we declare the wonders of God? As we lift Jesus high this morning, what's your response? Are you thirsty for more of the Spirit? you want to be more empowered you want to walk with him more closely 
Or are you a bit confused and not really sure about what's going on? Can I say, if that is you, that's great. Can I suggest that you go on something that we're running at the moment called Christianity Explored? We've got some people on it at the moment and they literally come with a side of questions. We have to stop the evening and say, we'll hold those for next week. Because they have so many questions and that's okay. In fact, one of the ladies that came said, I don't know what's happened, but this week I've been woken up in the middle of the night singing songs about Jesus. She's not a Christian. And that is my desire, that not that she comes on a Sunday and has an experience. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us <laughs> in our sleep, <laughs> in our working, in our shopping, in our home life, as we're driving along in the car. He wants to speak to us. Don't miss out on what he wants to say to you. Are you wanting to laugh at us? <laughs> That's okay. Do you think we're just actually a little bit drunk? Acting a bit oddly? Maybe you've got loads of questions. That's okay. Please come and ask the person that you're sat next to. Come and speak to me. Come and speak to one of the leaders. Or come on this Christianity Explorer and ask all your questions and hopefully we can explain to you the reason. You know, like they did explain, they're not drunk. There's a reason why they're behaving like this. Because the Holy Spirit's in them. It's got that personal Lord Jesus is with them.